Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Today, we're going to be talking about how do you know that you are in the right system or the right team or the right gym for you? So Alex, how do people know? Yeah, I think the self-awareness thing is a super complex or like hard topic for humans in general, but definitely when you go through a fight camp and like, I feel like shit or I'm not super confident in my approach or like all these doubts that run through your head, it's like, how can you be reassured that I am in a good process, in a good system, in a good place for me to go win a fight, right? Because like it or not, I think that this combat sports and MMA that we train in is soup is way more like personal than a lot of other professional sports. Yeah, you got to be fucking selfish. Yeah. You're an individual athlete and like, it's not only your sports performance online, it's your health. It's your, your psyche. Like again, this sport messes with your mind so much more than I think a lot of other sports. And don't get me wrong. Other sports are mentally stressful and taxing, but like there's no other sport that I've seen that athletes tie more to their self-worth. Well, there's no other sport in the world that you get half of your pay if you win and you lose half your pay if you lose. It's the only sport in the world that does that, which is yeah. obscene. Yeah. So this this idea of like, am I in the right situation for me is, is a super big question to ask, right? And I think a lot of times it gets brushed under the rug because like, this is just where I was grown. This is where I grew up. This is the gym that I've committed to, right? And so all of those things are valid. And I think you can gain a lot of confidence from um, like committing, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm committing to this gym and this coach. And I think you have to do that at some point. It's just, let's talk about this decision of like, is this the right place to commit to? And which is a big and hard question, right? And so how do we start to analyze that from not only a subjective and a personal approach, but from like an object, objective standpoint, right? Yeah. And I think looking at that for me as a fighter is like, I got to be real. What's the holes in my game? Where am I on this Mario Kart example that we use? What's my striking versus my grappling versus my physical prowess versus my fight IQ, right? They have all those stat bars ready and know where does this gym or where does this process match up with me technically? And does it fill my buckets that I have deficiencies? Does it um, highlight where I have proficiencies? And then I think that's like, that's your, your first step right? It's like, does this gym stylistically match up? And and then you can start considering it, right? I'm not saying that's what you base where you're training from, but that's the first step is like, does this gym fill some buckets for me? And then I think the, the ultimate decider is like, is this a gym that I personally like and see myself thriving in, right? Like, right. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's like, it's, I've mentioned this stat on the podcast before, but like, it's, it's similar to healthcare, right? We know the number three, it's, it's now the number three metric. And if you're going to get better with a healthcare provider is, do you like the provider you're working with? Right? right. It's the exact same thing for success, right? It's, do you like the coaches? Do you like the team? Do you feel comfortable? And do you fit in at that gym? Because if you yeah. constantly feel like an outsider, you are not going to be able to progress because you're always going to be in fight or flight, watching your back, thinking you're about to get greenlit and sparring and you're about to get fucking destroyed yeah. by everybody on the team. Well, and yeah, and if you don't like somebody that you're constantly interacting with, you have less faith and trust in their decision-making capability, like straight up, right? And 
it's not a bad thing to be naturally kind of doubtful about that stuff and like ask the question. But if you don't ultimately trust the final answer, then we're always operating from a place of doubt and from a place of um, like insecurity. Right. And those are not two good places to be, to be confident or to win a fight. Or if the (laughs) answer is consistently, I'm the coach, you're the athlete, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Also not the place, place, that's not the place you want to be. Right. Because a good coach doesn't do that. They like, I understand getting frustrated with your athletes. I get frustrated with my athletes Mm -hmm. and I want to tell them to just shut the fuck up sometimes, but that cannot be the answer all the time, right? Yeah. Every once in a while, you, if a guy's a question asker, you just got to say like, dude, I need you to put your fucking head down and just do this. But you should be able to explain everything you do as a coach. And if you have a coach that consistently cannot explain why you're doing something and they just say, I'm the coach, you have to appeal to my authority. Then that's, I can promise you, you shouldn't be there. Like that is not a good team. Right. And I think you said it's contextual too, because I have, I have athletes. Yeah, and it happens to me frequently, but guess what? I, close my mouth. I fucking nut up and I explain it to them for the most part because they deserve a right to know just, I mean, they're professional athletes. It's their job. They should know why they're doing things or explain it to them after practice because I have this constantly, right? Like I thought it was like mostly like a gym pop thing. Like I'm tired. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to talk to stall. Athletes do that more than anybody I know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or when we're supposed to go drill, and then they want to go talk about technique. It's like, no, motherfucker, this is get reps. This is go get tired, right? But like at a point in your athletic career, that becomes less interesting, right? It's like, I don't yeah. want to drill techniques constantly. I want to just like kind of uh, live in this philosophical place. Like, is this technique, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, go get work. And yeah, we'll talk about the where this fits into your game later. But right now it's time to go get fucking work. Mm-hmm. So time and place there. And, and like, do you agree? And, and can you get along with the coaching staff and your teammates, right? Like teammates aren't make or break, but there has to be like some mutual respect and understanding of each other's processes, right? Like that's the guy you're going to rely on to give you a look. That's the guy you're going to rely on to not knock you out. Right. And so that's, there has to be some mutual respect amongst teammates there. And uh, like, is this a, a facility that I really think I can get behind? One of the bigger questions I find myself asking is like, is there an overarching like moral and value system to the gym? Yeah. Right. Because, you know, I, and I spend less time around gyms like this that just like, we're going to put a class out there and then say, peace out. Hope you win. But like, does this head coach, does this gym have some values that they're really standing behind and trying to instill and in, in not only their fighters, but just anybody that comes trains with them? Cause there's very few gyms that are exclusively professional fight gyms. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say it's just a value system. I think it's more or less a plan. Like yeah, or I, a system. Yeah. They, I think like, especially cause this is going to be the, the podcast right after we had Dean on who is the man with the plan. <laughs> the system. Yeah. The <laughs> uh, system, when I, yeah. his system I heard was honestly, it's revolutionary. And if, if you're an MMA coach and you haven't reached out to Dean to see this system, you're an idiot. Like I'll, I will say that right now. Because that man knows what he's talking about and it is a well-developed – we spent an extra hour talking to this dude about his system after the yeah. podcast, after an hour and a half podcast. It's the most <laughs> elaborately planned out and laid out systematic approach to the sport that I've ever seen. Yes, I completely agree. And that being said, granted, he has the resources to do that. He's at the PI yeah. where money's not a huge option like or a huge uh, <laughs> obstacle. Like He can get in place what he does. But even if you can't develop as robust of a plan as Dean, you should be able to tell me 
what your Thursday practice is going to be three weeks from now. Yeah. If you don't have that planned out, if you don't have your sparring partners planned out, like say for Friday's sparring on like Monday, that's a problem, right? You should know who's getting what rounds so that you can manage the workload. And so you can manage the intensity the best way we can. Yeah. And that's where like, I think coaching gets interesting. And this is a little bit of an aside that like that type of thinking and information has always just like been in the coach's head. Right. Like, like I know a lot of coaches that have that plan and like have those inclinations and they know exactly what's going on, but they don't have it like systematized or written out. And not that they have to, but if you no, want they somebody, have to, if they, if you want somebody to take over your system or you want to like promote somebody or you want to create a legacy in your gym, like it needs to be flushed out. It can't just be you that holds all the like, um, what's it called? The, um, the information, the, no, yeah, all, the, the information, the, I don't know. When you're talking about patents, the, the, inf- you know, the, uh, intellectual property. There you go. You can't just yeah. have all the info intellectual property. Like, sure. Don't share it with the world, but like it has to be flushed out in some point. At some no, place. And, and I'm going to back up what I just said. You have to, I'm, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. You need okay, to have sure. it written down somewhere. And okay, why that, I say, please. yeah, hundred percent. Why I say that is it builds trust with your athletes. Yeah. One of the things you were talking about, like you don't have to like everybody that you pre- or your teammates. I think you don't have to like them, but you have to trust them. You have to trust and respect them that they are going to be there. They're not trying to hurt you and they're going to get you better, right? They're, they're there to get better. And because they're there to get better, they're also going to get you better. The same should be said for a coach. And it is much, much harder to trust a coach that cannot show you the plan than it is to trust a coach that can show you the plan. Even if it's just for that, for the athlete's peace of mind, you need to be able to have a month mesocycle wrote out or be able to show them something so that they know there is a plan. Because if they don't think there's a plan, well, yeah, if, if they don't think there's a plan, then they, they cannot inherently trust you. They have to just trust you for you which is yeah. much, much harder. And honestly, that is why there's so many snake oil salesmen in the sport is because it is not a common practice to write down practice schedules. So that allows bullshitters to seep in because that's what people are used to. Yeah. If it's, there's a re, there's a reason why NFL head coaches have the entire season laid out right away. Everybody is in line with what is going to be happening the entire time. And if we want to be considered an elite sport like these other sports, we have to follow suit because that isn't just what they do because it's football. That is the right way to do things because that's what drives athletes to trust coaches and that's what drives correct systems. Yeah, I I agree with you kind of holistically on that front. Um, I want you to say that again. <laughs> and I don't think it's always like coaches like start from the snake oil salesman place. I think it, it, it eventually devolves into that. Right. Well, it's a lack because of, like, it's a lack of effort. Honestly, it's, lack it, of, it, like it, they understand yeah. how to do it. So they realize they don't have to write it down all the time for them, but and then people they don't realize it. it's not for them. It's for the athlete. And then they start doing that for 10 athletes at a time. Bingo. And then, and then shit gets kind of lost because when it's just, up in the ethereal mist or in your head, you can't keep track of it. Right. Right. So, so if you're writing it all down, then you do it for 10 people. You can see like, Oh shit, this plan is not as detailed or as accurate as the one I did six months ago. Right. Right. Because I know, I know I don't have enough time. Right. And so I think a lot of that is, uh, 
is miscalculated and then not paid attention to, which goes back to our whole point of like, are you self-aware enough to know that you're in a good process or you're Mm -hmm. in a good fight camp, right? Because confidence is a tricky thing in that you can trick yourself into it. I've been around so many fighters that have talked themselves into, I'm in a good fight camp. When it's pretty blatant from the outside or from my strength conditioning perspective, you are not, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right? so yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a funny thing, right? And I think that self awareness and that that humility that comes with, like, okay, I'm not on a good path, and maybe you're five six weeks out, right? Let's say you're five six weeks out. It's like shit. I, I either really need, and the immediate knee jerk reaction is fucking kick it into gear. Let's start training three times a week. Let's fucking go because I know I'm not in a good spot. When I think the better place to do go, or it's like, oh, I'm not in a good spot. Okay. Let's reanalyze. What can I do? Is it realistic that I'm going to be ready for this fight and can change my camp from the six weeks out standpoint? And so that, that analysis Mm -hmm. and that kind of calm and calculated approach, I think is, is so missing in our sport. Right, because it is so tied to a a personal self worth. For sure. So we have two things so far. We have you need to trust your partners and and respect your partners. We also mm-hmm. need to make sure that the coaches have a plan. What's the third? <laughs> what's the third step, Alex? I think it's a it's an honest reflection of like both the logistical camp that you're in, and then also some of the subjective like feelings that you have about your camp, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can look at our weekly training schedule. We can write that out and say, is this set up to have me in an optimal place for my Friday sparring or for my whatever sessions are the most important, right? Like if I'm you know fighting a striker, I need to put some more money in that bank, right? Am I doing that? Am I truly doing that? Or am I spending the same camp I always spend with four days grappling and two days striking? <laughs> Right. Am I, yeah. Am I adapting? I would, I would even take it a step further is do you have the ability to individualize? Yeah. Because as we've, I've talked about this ad nauseum, so I'll keep it short, but I believe in order to get good, you have to get tough in order to get great. You have to specialize. And if you are trying to go from good to great. So if you just got into the UFC roster, you just got into Bellator, you won an LFA title or whatever, you need to be able to have areas that you can get better at that the coaches will give you individual attention to specify your training. If you don't have the ability to individualize, if you're just expected to do the same team class without any individual attention, even though you're getting to a level that requires more attention for you to succeed, that's not the right spot for you. Yeah. But in that sense, though, I think it's a it's a continual checking of boxes too, right? Like like the great athletes that individualize, they don't just individualize, right? When Correct. you start to yes. just that, yes. that's when you become a princess. That's when you right. become yeah. Not like, every practice needs to be about you. right. You still keep your technical foundations. You still have to be a dog and be tough. You still yes. like um, you know. I think a really good example in that case is uh, Justin Gaethje versus. Um, Rafael Fazeev, yeah. right? In that fight, Justin was relying on his toughness and everything he had foundationally to mm-hmm. keep him in that fight. And then in the third round, he made the greatness adaptation of the technical jab and, 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 and um, applying that, right? So right. I think and, it's a- that was from Whitman. That was from his training, the individualization to take over that position. Yeah, I guess the, my main point is it's an exponential growth, not just a stair-step approach. Correct. Right, yeah. like you're not forgetting that to replace it with individualization. You're adding to. And so, yeah, look at, be honest with your training schedule and be honest with your flexibility within your training schedule. 
is that something I can, I can do or is realistic for me? And then like, I think it's a different conversation knowing where you're at on that continuum, right? Am I a, am I a two fight professional that I still working on being tough and still putting the foundational stuff together? Or am I where I truly need to specialize? And like, now I have a, a, a big name opponent and I'm like, inching on the rankings right like so understand where you're at and that which is another key is self-awareness well i want to go further in on the individualization spectrum um so one thing i think a key point to think about is will your coaches allow you to do part of a team practice and then do a little work if you have an injury i think that is an extremely important part of finding the right camp because say you an easy example is say you have a uh cervical disc herniation that's causing some numbness down to the pinky, right? You probably shouldn't be doing a lot of jujitsu, but you still can do specific positions of jujitsu, right? So you can do certain movements. You can do certain things that you, that are safe and effective for you. But then when you get into say today's a guillotine day, motherfucker, if you got a cervical disc herniation, you should not be getting guillotine. Don't do that. So it's, is that coach accepting and aware enough to be able to say, Hey, you showed up for the part you can do now go do some work on your own. That's safe and effective for you. If yeah. that is not an option at your team, you got to find a different team. And it's, it's not just a once thing, right? Cause everybody has a bad day. Sometimes the coach is pissed off. He doesn't want to deal with having to adapt the training schedule to one person and they just get mad and say, fuck it, just be tough. Go right. But if that is a consistent trend that you're seeing that say you have an injury and they just keep overlooking the injury and saying, just fucking toughen up, just fucking toughen up. Yeah that is not something that you need to be a part of because that's something that's going to set you back as you get into the higher rankings because every fight camp you do when you get higher and higher up needs more attention to detail. That more attention to detail means we have to play with the variables better and be able to adapt. If that coach isn't allowing you to adapt through your practices, then we know he's probably (laughs) not going to allow you to, he or she probably not going to allow you adapt in the future either. If they set a precedent, if somebody wants to tell you the truth about them, you got to fucking listen. <laughs> yeah. And and there is going to be something that goes wrong. Like there are going to be injuries. Always. There are yeah, gonna you, be specialties you're in a you fight that destroys your body. Like right. that's your sport. Your, your sport is to fuck up your own body and the person in front of you. And training for that sport is adaptation, right? So we have to have that logistically and realistically, the individualization and the adaptation, the, the harder, I think, branch of this level or the harder vein to go down is the the subjective analysis right yeah how do i feel in this training schedule right like both from a like wellness standpoint like what's my recovery look like can i genuinely perform at the x practice that's supposed to be 10 out of 10 but then also like am i confident in this approach am i like am i satisfied with the attention that are getting the adjustments that are being made with the training partners that I need. Right. And having a realistic feel to that is, is really a tough topic to be honest with yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Or am I just like head down and accepting of all of it? Cause that's most athletes, most athletes are like their shoulders, right? They're like, okay, this is the work that's put in front of me. This is what my coach told me to do. I'm good with that. I'm gonna put my head down and do it. Mm-hmm. But I think like you said, as you get to approach this greatness level, I have to be, hundred percent like bulletproof confidence. Like, okay, yeah, this is the absolute best thing for me. It is the right thing that I fly in a training partner. It is the right thing that I spend three extra sessions a week striking. It is the right thing. And they're plugged into the right places. So it's like, you have to not only feel that training schedule 
And if you feel like shit, that's okay sometimes too, because you have to know when it's time to feel like shit. Um, Do you know when it's time to feel like shit? And then the other thing is like, am I confident in this approach? Am I confident that I'm doing the 100% right thing in my training camp? Because like we've talked about before, confidence, confidence across the training camp is maybe the number one indicator of a winning fight. 100%. So I think that's the harder vein to go down to and the less like – objective i can point to this thing and it's right vein but it's also maybe one of the more important veins right well but an easy way to to turn i I personally like to turn the subjective into objective as as many times as i can right i want to find a way to try to objectify the subjective so that you can track trends because if you can track trends you can be successful and so an easy way to track like oh man i feel tired all the time well just get a fucking aura ring if you're waking up consistently overtrained all the time, probably not the right gym for you, right? If it's three weeks in a row and you wake up in the red all three weeks and you're trying, you're sleeping correctly, you're eating correctly, you're doing all the right stuff. It's a workload thing, not the right gym for you, right? It's. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't all the time jump to not the right gym, maybe not the right training schedule. Maybe you got to make adjustments, right? right? But okay. Yeah. But how, how many coaches will change the training schedule for one individual athlete? I don't know. You got to figure that out. You, you, if you check the box of what we just talked about, then you do have a coach that's adaptable, right? I, so. That's what I'm saying though. So this is an easy way to check. Is that the right gym for you? If you're waking up consistently depleted, there's not a varying workload schedule. If you're always in the dust and it's not just a three days of the week, it's not just a, oh man, I had Monday, Tuesday were rough. And then all Monday, Tuesday, next week are rough. If you're there for three weeks and of the 21 days, 18 of the days you woke up in the red, that's not the right system for you. That's, that's not going to work for your body. The, the first, the first line of defense though is try and make the adaptation in my yeah, opinion that's why i'm try saying three weeks try and bring it up. <laughs> but the problem is athletes will not bring it up they'll go yeah, through well, the three weeks and get that and be like oh shit this isn't the right gym it's like but have you said anything to the coach right have you tried to make that adaptation because if you try to make the adaptation say something to the coach and nothing changes then yeah then you're not gonna look for higher level problems right yeah but i've been around so many athletes that all these problems will be happening and they have not tried to solve them. They've True. just bitched about them, right? Yeah, and so that's yeah. that's I think worth saying is go try and fix the problem first. Right, yeah, go say something. Then maybe that's not the right job. Right. It always starts with a conversation. Alex <clears throat> is a hundred percent correct, and I'll say that again because I know he likes hearing it. Alex is a hundred percent correct. If if that is happening, you talk to the coach first. But if they're unwilling to change, you know that's not the right fit for you, right? Yeah, because yeah. then they're making it about them, not about you. And a good coach makes it about you because every athlete in MMA is an individual athlete. And I don't care what anybody says. Yes, the team is important. But when you step into that cage, that's fucking you in there. And it needs to be about you. And this is a selfish sport. The people at the top are the ones that typically are selfish, unfortunately. So, but outside of that, I mean, another, another key point in a gym and how do the coaches talk to each other, right? Yeah. Is every team needs a general. Right. Just like every, every, uh, army needs a general, Yeah, but there's a difference between being a general and being a dictator. Um, and something that I like a good coach is having good coaching communication, interdisciplinary communication, the ability for a coach to text a healthcare provider or talk to a strength coach instead of just 
telling an athlete, oh, that's not going to work. Like there, there's a difference between the coaches communicating and then talking to an athlete versus every coach just talking to an athlete and making them the focal point of what's going on. Right. Yeah. That, and I think that the more I observe and watch and, and, and try and operate at a high level myself, I think that's the next level progression of coaching is like the art of delegation. Yep. Right. And it's so hard to delegate and trust people to do their jobs. But like exactly like you said, like I had a recent, really recent example on like a Friday sparring day. You know, my athlete gets a little shakeout, goes to strength and conditioning and then heads to sparring. Right. And so you tell the coach, oh, well, I did strength and conditioning before that. Their immediate thought is like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You're going to strength condition before you go to sparring. And it's like there, there's a gap in communication. Like it's not really like we're lifting heavy, going hard strength conditioning. It's like we're getting a little mobility going. We're getting a little shakeout. We're getting a little lung blowout. And then he's going to sparring. It's like it's essentially a wake-up call, right? And so the immediate knee-jerk reaction for the head coach would be like, that's not going to fucking work. You need to change that in your schedule, right? Versus go talk to the strength and conditioning coach, mm-hmm. go see what's going on. Like, is this something that you've planned and done before? Is this like, what am I genuinely looking at? And then, Oh, well, and the athlete had a poor performance. All right. Well, you told me to strength and conditioning. It's definitely because you did strength and conditioning. Go change that. Right. And it's like, we're making assumptions versus correctly delegating and having communication between um, disciplinary interdisciplinary. Right. Like we talk about it with the building a fighter model, right? We have our performance Pentagon. The reason yeah. why we picked a Pentagon is because all of the points of the Pentagon are equidistant from the middle point, right? The mm-hmm. middle point is the athlete. If one, if one of the points is a lot closer than the other points and they're just talking with the athlete, not actually talking with the other coaches, that's going to sow doubt in that athlete's mind about all the other coaches. Right. Because they're not going to trust them as much as they trust that one person because they just keep bitching to them about the other people. Right. So what what we need, what I think a good team operates off of and something to look for and something to watch as you're trying to join new teams is how do the coaches interact with each other? Right. If it's just one person dictating what all the other person people think, that's a dictator. That's not a general. Right. Generals take advice from other people and try to make the best decision possible. They don't think they know everything that's going on yeah. and tell other people how to do their jobs. Well, and, yeah, I mean, okay. well, and, and that's just, that's just how, that's how good systems operate. It's delegation versus like, which is an extremely important skill rather than I guess, domination or authoritarianism. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I listened to a really good episode of a Jordan B. Peterson podcast with Jocko Willink. And this was the whole topic is talking about leadership and like how yep. you have to listen to your, your troops. You have to listen to your peers, your command officers. Like you have to listen and know what their context is too, in order to make an accurate decision. Right. Cause, um, I think they boiled it down to the more information, right? If I'm making assumptions without the right information, then I'm going to be inaccurate yeah. versus if I listen to them and have a genuine conversation, then I am, am uh, provided more information. I can make a better decision, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like you said domination or, or assumptions. It's getting the most information and, and operating from a place of understanding or a place of um, that versus a place of ego. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's an easy way to boil down how to look for good coaches is there should be a lack of ego, right? Yeah. Coaches don't need ego. Athletes do. And athletes need to be one of the most typically one of the more egotistical people, especially in our sport, because that confidence, that lack of any sort of, or that, I guess that gain of ego in you is going to typically do you well in the cage. Right. But from the coaching standpoint, there shouldn't be much of an ego. 
because that's how you know you're doing what's best for the athlete because you're willing to make sacrifices in the sake of your ego to help the person in front of you. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's a it's an interesting dynamic there with coaching and with the ego, but I think yeah, like you said, a balance and genuinely seeking the best for the individual athlete in front of you, right? Yep. And then and then you have like orders of priority there where it's like, okay, now I'm going to make the best decisions for the team, and now I'm going to make the best decisions for like my uh, gym as a whole, right? And so there's mm-hmm. there's hierarchies there of decisions or priorities and your own personal ego doesn't make that list. Right. It like, can't. I mean, it right? does typically for some people, but it a lot. Yeah. You see it a lot. Yeah. It shouldn't, it absolutely shouldn't. And that's where we talk about creating greatness versus, you know, having a one-off or having being good. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's important. I think one of the, the final pieces of really analyzing, am I in a good state of existence in my camp, in my training career it's got to be like, am I healthy and happy in my personal life? That's true. Yeah. I I think it gets under talked about because it's the kind of your everyday monotonous routines type of things. Yeah. But I've seen so many athletes, like they have all of what we've aforementioned. They have those boxes kind of in check, right? And they're mm-hmm. maybe not the perfect, but they're within an acceptable means. And then their personal life is in complete disarray. And that makes everything else go to shit, right? Because... Um, like, you know, I'll go back to like one of our original podcasts with our, one of our first guests, Bo Sandoval, he's like, if your mindset isn't right and your fueling isn't right, what we do training and strength conditioning is me makes means nothing. Right. And so if your personal life is, is in shambles and you're having a hard time at home and that's, you know, whether you think that's affecting you or not, it is, but if that's causing spillover and you know, bad mindsets and inefficient habits in your mm-hmm. training life, you're not in a great place, right? Okay. So I think, I think there's a, a lot of merit to be set in like a, a personal life and like truly like, um, and that can be like part of your mixed martial artist or your martial artist aspect, right? Am I a whole confident, strong person that can go perform at my sport? Because if you're not, sometimes that works, but that's the exception, not the norm. 100%. It's, you got to be happy in order to be successful. You you can't not be happy and give everything into your sport for the most part. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So, and I think that gets overlooked a lot of times because, you know, we're tough and blah, blah, but you know, I would, I would, that's an interesting conversation I'd love to have with a sports psychologist who I think we're having on next week. Yeah, We're having the sports psych for the PI guy, uh, jumping on. Right. How important is happiness to high performance? Right. I would, and we also have Darren. I'd love to talk to Darren about that shit. He's got that English accent. Yeah, always makes everything easier to hear. Because <laughs> I always operate, I operate from a stance of like, if you're not happy, you're not performing as well as you could. Yeah, I mean, I gotta, I'm gonna contradict myself because like I know people that are extremely successful that aren't happy, right? <coughs> um, right. But I, I do agree with you that in order for you to reach the pinnacle of what you can accomplish, you also have to be happy. It's just a lot of people are really good at operating at high levels while they're not happy because they just know how to grind. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I totally agree. But like how much more satisfied in their life could they be if they were happy? And I think maybe happy is a, is a bad word for that. Right. Maybe like the term like fulfilled or the term like, uh, um, I don't know, but something that means more everlasting, right? Like, I don't mean that you're fucking smiling in the moment happy. I mean that you're, you're content with, the direction your life is taking and then you can like find true fulfillment or meaning in it. 
right? right. I don't when, when you get home at yeah. 10 p.m. on a Tuesday night, are you, do you feel accomplished or do you feel drained? Yeah, for the most are you, part, are you pissed? I just waste pissed away my whole day, you know, training because I'm supposed to. Or do you get home at 10 and be like, "Fuck, that was a good training." I'm exhausted, absolutely, but that was a good training day. Yep, exactly. Right? Like, where's your mindset at? So, I think that does hold some weight in. Are you at the right place in your training camp? Are you having a good training camp and being self-aware enough to think that? Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, but I I think that's a solid five steps yeah, for, fi- out a list pretty for well. figuring yeah. out if that's the right spot for you. Um, listen to this. If you guys want to get in touch with us, or if you want us to write those down, that's going to be in the show notes as well. Um, but all of our information is going to be in the show notes to talk to us about <laughs> these different topics. And we're happy to talk to you guys. So that's going to be both mine and Alex's Instagram and emails. Um, if you guys got to get in touch with us, that's in the show notes. If you're looking for strength conditioning programs, we have building a fighter programs. We have our memberships, our team programs, our gym programs, and our individual programs all available at buildingafighter.com. This is Dr. Austin Shane. Alex Friedman. And we are out.